boy, are we fighting to be free today. The global lockdown is trying to enslave us. Actually, it's worse than that. They're trying to kill us. Several people have noticed, Pastor Martins, that the lockdowns and the, the what do you call it, the COVID vaccine distribution is more prevalent in white countries. Do you think maybe they're trying to kill white people specifically? Hello? Are you there? Did we lose the connection? Good evening, Pastor. Oh, yeah, also okay. Good evening to our listeners across the globe. Yeah. Yes, there was a bit of a glitch. I turned the microphone down while you played the, um, oh, the lead-in music uh, because I took a gulp of coffee. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so you caught me on that one, and I forgot right. to, to restore the microphone. But uh, yes, right. we've... You, you won't believe, Pastor, we've, uh, we're still experiencing winter weather where we are. Uh, really? Temperatures, daytime temperatures hardly reach the mid-20 degrees centigrade. Mm-hmm. And uh, um, beautiful days, however, the, the, um, the air is very moist and we have um, moist or mist rolling in from the sea every, virtually every day. It was just yesterday was the first clear day in, in quite a number of days. And today we've hardly seen the sun, but um, we're thankful for every drop of rain that falls. Yeah. South Africa as a whole has had a tremendous um, uh, amount of rain. Also such the um, German West Africa have had tremendous rains. Rivers are flowing um, and roads were... Um, overflowed wow. flowed with uh, rain, rivers that hadn't flown or that had not had any water for the past number of years. Okay. Um, lest uh, those that did flow last year after the um, the uh, after we had gone through the humbling, uh, there were quite a number of rivers that did flow, but not all of them. And some of the rivers that did not flow at that time are currently in flood, wow. uh, for okay. which we are, of course, of course, are extremely glad about. Yeah. Uh, th- yes. And thankful. Yes, yeah, water. Uh, <laughs> but not too much water, right? Don't want to wash the villages away. <laughs> okay. Yes. yes. But in the, here uh, in the north parts up in Chicago, uh, we did not have a white Christmas. Uh, hardly any snow, hardly any precipitation. It's not very cold. It's like in the 30s. Usually around this type of time of year, we have a few below zero days. Nothing like that this winter. So there's something going on with the weather, you know, with all of the uh, chemtrails and stuff. Uh, they're, they're definitely doctoring the weather, no doubt about it. Okay. But it's good that you're... Uh, so, yes, definitely. Uh, yeah. So our, our winter is milder than usual and your summer is, is colder than usual. Okay. So, yeah. so maybe it's evening out. Okay. Yeah. All right, but uh, I, I want to report. Like yeah, I want to report. Uh, first of all, uh, uh, most of the people in America and probably in the northern hemisphere have heard about the Dominion voting machine. Uh, uh, I'm sorry, the 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 Nashville explosion on Christmas Day. So before I get to that, I want to report this from the Geller report. And I put this in the chat room here for people to check out. 
The Geller Report says this. Uh, this is about the Dominion Voting Machine Company. And the headline is, Dominion Voting Machines is part owned by Biden's brother-in-law. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Wow. Okay, Maureen M. Greco was matron of honor, and R. Kevin Owens, the bridegroom's brother, was best man. The bride served as campaign manager for her brother, Senator Joe Biden, (laughs) the Delaware Democrat, in 1972. Valerie Biden Owens, Joe Biden's sister, is married to John Owens. His brother, R. Kevin Owens, is founder of Staple Street Investors, which owns Dominion Voting. So it runs in the family, Pastor Martins. Mm-hmm. Are you surprised? Yes. No, not at all, Pastor. <laughs> right. In fact, um, something that I posted yesterday morning on Facebook is that the Edomites um, always seem to have a plan B and plan C. They very diligently ensure that there is a succession on their misdemeanors, that mm. that the children are well enlightened, very diligent and mean mechanisms and methods of subversion and deception and lies and, uh, of course, assimilation of other nations, where which they eventually infiltrate and overrun and overrule and. Of course, take dominion over. Yes, right. Right, and dominion of us, too, at the same time, right? Maybe that's why they call it dominion. But uh, now, John Owens' brother, R. Kevin Owens, is founder of Staple Street Investors, which owns Dominion Voting. Staple Street Capital is a private equity firm founded in 2009 based in New York. The co-founders are Stephen D. Mm. Owens and Hutan Yaghub Zadeh, Yaghub Zadeh, uh, apparently a Pakistani. And the uh, arc, arc, yeah, of course, <laughs> it's all international, it's global, isn't it? This is obscene, says Geller, another bombshell censored by the totalitarian Democrat media cabal. Yeah, well, I've got another bombshell for you all, folks. I'm, I'm speaking in a southern drawl. Guess what? That explosion... In Nashville, Tennessee, is related to Dominion voting machines. Headline, AT&T building that was bombed in Nashville has connections to Dominion. This is from Newsla. Not familiar with that Mm. website. Newsla. The rabbit hole connected with Dominion voting systems got a little deeper. Multiple reports have shown there is a clear connection between the bombed AT&T building and Dominion voting systems. Now, what I heard, Pastor Martins, is that for some reason, AT&T was supposed to do some diagnosis on these Dominion machines, voting machines. Why AT&T would be selected for this, I couldn't guess, but I think this article clears it up. According to Wikipedia and other outlets, Cerberus Capital Management owned the AT&T building in 2007. So what? Mm-hmm. Well, Hutan Yaghubzadeh, the current owner of Staple Street Capital, which owns Dominion, this is uh, Joe Biden's sister's brother-in-law, if you can keep all that straight, mm-hmm. okay, uh, is, is his partner, 
which owns Dominion Voting Systems, worked at Cerberus Capital Management as the senior vice president. So was this bot? Was this explosion? And also, what I've heard, and I saw a video uh, that implicated either a missile or a laser shot from the sky that actually ignited that uh, truck. So it was it was being reported as a truck bomb, but uh, there was nothing left of the truck, and it reported one fatality. So and uh, and the left has gone nuts over this because the person who uh, he wasn't arrested, he was a person of interest. Okay, a pro- not yeah. a suspect, a person of interest, uh, was a Trump supporter. <laughs> so, so the left-wing media has already gone nuts claiming, oh, it was a conspiracy by a Trump supporter to get rid of Dominion voting machines, right? Okay, so uh, that, that's the news coming from the left. But, of course, they would say that, Boston. But yes. If one, if one has some sense of intelligence, you would understand... That, of course, it's not about bombing the building other than forensics destroyed her BBMs okay, and uh, re- the emails. Uh-huh. And, of course, those emails ended up, they, they had already been captured by the Russians and other state organizations. And it's out in the open now. Right. But she insisted that she had destroyed it, as if that would end the case against her. In fact, it merely implicates her even further. Okay, you dropped out. I understand why. Yeah, you dropped out for a second. Who are Sorry. you talking about? Are you talking about Hillary Clinton? Or, or Clinton, some... I cannot understand. Okay. Well, in exactly the same way as she had destroyed forensic evidence about the emails. In right. exactly the same way as the 911 mm-hmm. um, the 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 destruction of the two world trade center towers i have reason to believe that there was a massive insurance coverage that was taken out days before the bombing of the AT&T okay something else i wanted to say is that that the forensic evidence about the um, misappropriation of the voting machines and most probably also the voting system. The, the aim was to destroy the evidence that was busy mounting up against uh, or against the uh, Democrats, the cabal, the, yeah. the Democrats, the Edomite Democrats mm-hmm. in terms of the way in which they exploited, no, not just exploited the system, but exploded the system. <laughs> Exploding now, all right. Devious. <laughs> well, yeah, in addition, uh, there's been complaints that, uh, that the Democrats have been trying to prevent the Republicans from getting their hands on these voting machines because they're busy scrubbing all of the details off the machines, right? Maybe that's what this is all yes. about here. Okay, so of course, it's, it, yeah. it's also it's also a a deviation. They creating a a um, to take the pressure off Biden. Well, in the, in the first place, I cannot understand when when Donald Trump, when he was um, clearly the the elected president uh, in twenty sixteen, he, he he told the. American people, 
that he would ensure that the corruption that had taken place under the Clintons at the time would be brought to the surface. Mm -hmm. It didn't happen. So Donald Trump is busy in spite of the fact that he's had landslide victories. He is busy undermining his own credibility because he's not delivering on those very crucial aspects which he del- which he promised to the American people. Right. And now we see a total deluge of corruption and uh, bigotry and um, I-, I could use far more subversion. Words subversion. <laughs> I think that's subversion. The yeah. Right. But to, to make the the Americans think that this whole thing was anything other than a scam is already a scam. Mm-hmm. And why Donald Trump has not really clamped down hard on these liberals, on these Edomites, uh, is only detrimental to his own credibility. Right. Uh, uh, no, I agree. I agree. He hasn't really done anything, although people are still waiting for him to make good on the executive order he issued in, in uh, 2018 anticipating yes. the election fraud. So, But time is running out. Time is running out for that to happen. I think the deadline is January 6th, so he, he better move quickly. Uh, otherwise, uh, you know, he's, he will have to concede to Joe Biden, which would be a horrible development, really horrible. But let me uh, finish here. Would you, Go ahead. Would, would you, sorry, sorry, Pastor, would you think he would be listening to our program? I would hope so. <laughs> <laughs> I would hope so. All right. Okay. Well, we, we could give him... We could give him free advice without subversing yeah. his, um, his, his, his own um, ideals and his own policies. Right. Uh, we, we'll give it to him free. Well, there's supposed to be a pro-Trump rally in Washington, D.C. on January 6th. Maybe I should join them and, and introduce myself to Mr. Trump and, and give him some advice, right? So let's continue here. So yes. Hutan Yaghubzadeh is mm-hmm. a, a board member of Dominion Voting Systems. As you can see, he was the senior vice president of Cerberus from 2003 to 2009. In 2006, Cerberus bought the AT&T building. So there's a huge connection now between this character, uh, Yaghubzadeh, <laughs> Hutan, I'll just call him Hutan from from this point out. And, and so they bought the AT&T building. Is this just one big coincidence? Many users on Twitter think not. Very interesting. I did think that why would there be a bomb going off on Christmas when the streets would be empty and everything quiet? Well, it was an attempt to uh, scrub the voting machines that had been sent there for for supposedly uh, analysis. Is that what's yeah. going on here? Okay. Yes. <laughs> destroying the destroying the forensic evidence. Right. And of and course, without the forensic evidence, there can be no case. Yes, exactly, exactly. So, Donald Trump, you're not moving quickly enough, okay? So, another yeah. comment here. If a bomb goes off in Nashville and nobody's there, do you see Dominion machines getting wiped? Now, could the mm. impact of such a blow destroy the sensitive electronics of a, a Dominion voting machine? I don't know. Okay. But maybe or, the... Or perhaps the, or perhaps the very uh, nerve center 
of the voting machines. Most probably the voting machines received um, uh, counting or, or, or uh, bellow updates during the time that were after that the most of the counting had already been concluded. Right. And of course, on, on, it's very easy to do these things on the Internet. Uh, yes. Because those those machines had to be connected to the internet for the the purpose of being able to provide the information back to the nerve center, mm-hmm. but it could there could have been a second nerve center from where um, the the bellows could have been added after the voting had physically stopped. Right. Sure. Sure. Yeah. So the, all that. Uh, it, all that equipment is very sensitive. Shockwave could destroy it. But, yeah, and if there was a connection to the Internet that was lost, maybe there was too much information coming out of there that uh, the deep state, so-called, didn't want to have continue. Okay? So yeah. it's, everything's possible, but there's an obvious connection to Dominion voting machines, yeah. and that's what we want to bring to people's attention right here. You heard it first here on your folk radio, folks. Okay? All right, so and not, and also to the Biden family, yeah, also right. to the Biden family, and uh, I'm quite surprised that Hunter Biden is not involved. Most probably he is, but yeah. this is again a, a lightning arrester to draw the attention away from Biden himself, and most probably also from Hunter Biden. So it's now more yeah. on the family than on them themselves. Right. Well, it's interesting you should say that. Because the fact of the matter is that there's been very little mainstream reporting about this at all. Mainstream is keeping this quiet. They're keeping it quiet. So maybe there's something Mm. something happened that mainstream that that the Bidens didn't didn't trigger, or if they did, they're keeping it quiet because they don't want to implicate the Bidens. Okay, that's probably that's probably the correct reason. Okay, but we'll cover on that post. Yeah, we will find out, folks. We will find out. The sleuths at Eurofolk Radio will find out. Okay, so let's get to our main topic for today. And I'm just going to quote, because uh, last night on the Restoration Hour, I mentioned the possibility, or it may have been Friday as well, of the Gospels actually being written originally in Hebrew. And so I, I know you're an advocate of that, so why don't you give people your perspective on that? Uh, Pastor, first of all, one must realize that the uh, scriptures of the Hebrews or the Ketuvim Hebraic, the scriptures of the Hebrews um, were not just uh, located in one center, for example, in the temple under the the house of Yehuda. Mm -hmm. Because you must remember that the ten northern tribes also had some of the Levites or the tribe of Levi and the priests with them in the ten northern tribes. And those Levites and priests were also taken into captivity into Assyria, um, where they remained for quite a number of years. And then, of course, um, they started dispersing from Assyria through the Caucasian mountains, which you have a beautiful um, uh, slideshow presentation. Mm-hmm. A, 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 a presentation about, um, and I would still like to translate that to, into Afrikaans because I think it, it carries a tremendous amount of power in terms of 
yeah, the, the accuracy uh, and the history of the ten northern tribes. Amen. Because, and um, for that reason, the ten northern tribes that migrated into Europe via the Caucasian mountains, they were called the Caucasians, whereas the Edomites that formed the Edomite Republic of Caesarea, they migrated on the eastern side of the Black Sea. Mm -hmm. In fact, there were still many of these Babylonian uh, uh, mongrel Edomites that still existed and st still to this day exists on the uh, the eastern side of the Black Sea. Yeah. And north, they, north of the Black all... Sea, yeah, Khazaria, as it uh, was known in history. Exactly. Yes. Now, now, if one looks at the fact that the ten northern tribes, they also had copies of Moses' Torah and also the Ketuvim, uh, the, the uh, uh, Megillot, the scriptures, which entailed the book of Esther and Job and Psalms okay. and the history books, 1 and 2 Samuel and the Kings and uh, um, also the Song of Solomon. Yeah, and okay. then also the Navim, the the prophetical books, the large prof, prof, prophets and also the smaller prophets. Okay. So they also had copies of these. For that reason... The, the scriptures of the Hebrews are uncorrupted to a very large degree. I will not say they were, they were uncorrupted, but to a large degree, they did not suffer the same amount of corruption right. which the so-called New Testament. If we look at the New okay. Testament, the New yeah. Testament, uh, as it was called by the Edomites for the purpose of their... their very dubious and devious agenda. And we can talk about the agenda yes. at a later stage. Sure. But when when the uprising of the Judeans took place in the year 6970 after the Messiah, mm -hmm. the Roman military force that went to quell the uprising of the Judeans, of course, they burnt down their temple. They actually ransacked the temple of any scriptures. They ransacked the believers in the Messiah whom were called Nazarites or Nazarenes. Right. They ransacked their houses. And of course, whenever they, wherever they could uh, ransack their houses of the people in the assemblies, for example, when they returned from Jerusalem, of course, they burned down the libraries as well, they didn't just take the scriptures of the Hebrews into their possession, but they or, or hijacked, they not only hijacked their, the scriptures of the Hebrews, but they also hijacked the any form of knowledge right. that they could lay their hands on in that whole area. And when they moved back to Rome, they also ransacked the houses of all the Nazarenes on the way back in every assembly in Corinth, in okay. uh, Pergamos, and uh, uh, Ephesians, and Philipp Philippi, right. and in Thessalonica, they, they ransacked because they knew they, they could actually uh, see whom were the ones 
who were addressed in the writings that were kept in either the temple or the synagogues or in the houses of the people who mm -hmm. were involved with the house of Jacob at the time. So they took possession of all of those and they dragged it all across to Rome and also the people who were the believers in the true Messiah whom were called Nazarenes. Right. And they were healthy. And of course, Flavius Vespasianus, he, I, I don't know whether I'm, um, I'm, I'm pronouncing that correctly, but Flavius Vespasianus was um, uh, the, the, in, in charge of the military force. And he became the Caesar at a later stage. But right. what he had done, he had uh, taken control, or he had taken ownership of what was the ruins of the temple of the heavens, the, the queen of the heavens. Okay. And he erected a... He, he in Pergamos? renovated that into the... And that was in Rome. Rome, He okay. renovated that into the uh, the circus. And of course, <laughs> circus and... Okay. Um, was derived circuses translated the translation of the of the Latin word circa. Now, after the they're taking possession of the scriptures of the Nazarites or the Nazarenes, as they were known, which was then uh, translated by the Septuagint, right? The LXX, the the bishopdom of seventy men. They translated these scriptures, which they had taken custody of or which they hijacked, and they translated that into Latin. Now, the Latin version of it was widely read at the time, and they would, it was also uh, seen as a, a scriptures of authority. But it was with the, the, the Council of Nicaea in the year 325 AD that the the uh, Christianity or Christendom was created out of all the religions that were represented within the boundaries of the Roman Empire. Right. And then right. they Roman Catholicism. Then they right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There they made decisions concerning uh, the names of the Almighty and the names of the the Messiah and yeah. um, the ideologies, etc. Which day is and the Sabbath? Were, yeah, they made all kinds of ch changes and additions. Much of it uh, gleaned from the pagan world, right? Of course, yes. Yeah. And, and then, uh, when this was all assembled or in a melting pot together, um, Christianity was created for the purpose of yeah. having a singular universal religion within the Roman Empire. Right. And that singular universal religion they called the Catholicism. Or, right. Uh, Universalism. Well, Universal. Universalism. It, it cannot now, legitimately be called Christianity because true Christianity is not universalist. Back be. to you. Yeah, yeah. Please, and, please continue. And then, uh, according to the the, the true history that I have found a number of sources that actually verify this. This religion that uh, the Roman uh, that was created under um, Caesar uh, Constantine became 
um, only became known as Christianity in the time in the later fourth, uh, the later fourth uh, century, in the surrounds of Jerusalem and Judea, which, which means that the religion, well, it was it became known at that time. It was enforced by the Roman um, Empire onto that area, and it became known as the new religion called Christianity. Right. So it, it, this Roman Catholicism uh, was exerted on the people uh, in force because the other religions were quelled and subverted by the Roman blended together. rather the Roman Empire. Yeah, they were blended together and called Catholicism, you know, a, a pseudo-Christianity. Right, which the world had now, to endure for centuries. Yeah. Now, uh, it was only 147 years later that they they found that they the um, authenticity of the of the Latin version of it was being questioned because there was already um, translations prior to the formation of the of the um, Council of Nicaea. That had already been uh, produced and had already circulated through the empire at that time. So what they did was they translated the Latin version of it into Greek, right. into Koine Greek, 147 years later. In other words, approximately 500 years after the birth of mm -hmm. the Messiah was the Greek version of it. Uh, translated from Latin, and that was distributed as the original. Okay. And then they well, had this place <laughs> that any any differences was then um, diverted to. Oh, it, it was mistakenly translated from the Greek. Right. However, yeah. there's there's sufficient evidence that the idiom that was used used in the translation does not make sense in, in the Greek. Mm -hmm. um, probably not in Latin it, either. <laughs> it, does not make, it doesn't make sense in Latin either, but if you take the Greek, you translate it back into, into Latin, and from the Latin you translate it back into either Hebrews or into Aramaic. Right. You will find that the idiom makes perfect sense, which means that the, the oldest version of that particular translation is the Aramaic or the Hebrew version of it? Because sure. the Hebrew and the Aramaic or the Aramaic, depending on which uh, book you're talking about, because I think it was the book of uh, Revelations that was written in Aramaic as, um, originally, Okay, which is uh, only makes sense if you read it in the original Hebrew or the original Aramaic. Yeah, the, the, um, the so-called... There are quite a number of examples like that, but also... If one takes a, a very serious look at the, uh, the those particular instances when the Messiah, for example, raised the daughter of Jairus. Is that how it's pronounced? I'm not sure. But, but continue. Uh, but he, he, he raised the daughter of one of the, uh, I, I think the, um, uh, well, one of his disciples, sure. Uh, well, um, or one of his followers, mm -hmm. Jairus, uh, his daughter died, and he raised the daughter, and he called out to her, 
in Hebrew saying Talita Kumi. Also, when he um, when he was uh, nailed to the cross or to the stake, whatever you would want to to, yeah. to um, emphasize in this particular case, why did he then speak? And it is translated. Well, it's 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 written in the original language, or it is transliterated into, for example, Afrikaans, where he says, um, "Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani," mm-hmm. which of course means, "My, my God, uh, my God, Elohim, my Elohim, yeah. why, why did you forsake me?" Right. Um, and then also, just prior to his death, when he called out to Talistai, it is finished. Those are not Greek words. Those right. are not Latin words. Those are definitely Hebrew words. Yes, and no doubt. Why would they? Why would they not translate that into Greek as well or into Latin? Right. Well, here, uh, because, yeah. Uh, let me just point out uh, because the, the the many of those documents you were referring to did wind up in the Vatican archives but have been hidden for yes. the last 2,000 years, right? So, uh, or, yeah. Uh, yeah, okay. And so, that, that, they, have, they have come to light. They have come to light, okay. But here, let me first go to, because I've been aware of the fact that there were copies of the Hebrew Gospel of Matthew in India. Yes. In India, I'm going to quote yeah. from whygodreallyexists.com, traditionally, the universities of the Western world have taught that the Gospel of Matthew was not the first Gospel written, that it was originally in Greek, and that it was composed after 70 AD. However, as new discoveries have been made, those assumptions have been shown to be stone-cold wrong. As researchers are looking into the writings of the early church leaders, they are finding that not only was the Gospel of Matthew most definitely the first Gospel written, almost certainly before 50 AD, but that it was also originally written in the Hebrew language. So let me scroll down real quick to, uh, to to the fact here. Now we have a clear mm. mention uh, that the Gospel of Matthew was written in Hebrew, not Greek or Aramaic, as widely thought. <clears throat> Excuse me, and was carried out of Israel by one of the original apostles to the Far East, namely Bartholomew. Two of the earliest church fathers and historians, Eusebius and Origen, wrote that a second long-overlooked apostle, Bartholomew, also went to India and took a gospel with him, according to Princeton scholar and author Samuel Moffat. In his groundbreaking book, A History of Christianity in Asia, Moffat, with an E, not an A, reveals that Pantanus, a church historian and missionary who traveled to India in 180 A.D., discovered the copy of the Gospel of Matthew in Hebrew that Bartholomew had taken with him. So it's evident that Eusebius and, who's the other one, uh, Origen, were aware of this. Okay? Mm. So, so, but very, very few scholars are aware of the fact that the Hebrew Gospel of Matthew was carried to India. How about that? Yeah. Okay? So, and then we have additional finds in the Vatican. The Vatican uh, mm. Library, we have Hebrew Gospel uh, uh, unearthed in the Vatican as well. But your comment at this point, that, uh, you know, isn't this proof that uh, at least some of the Gospels were written in Hebrew? 
Yes, Pastor, if one looks at whom the the um, Romans represented, they were con- conglomerate of nations, of nationalities. They were not, um, uh, w- well, if you take, for example, that um, uh, um, Caesar Constantine himself was a Druid priest. Okay. And the Druids, of course, were descendants of, of, of the Edomites that already migrated into those areas that were already inhabited by the ten northern tribes. Mm-hmm. You, you, are you aware of that? Have you ever see, looked at the migration patterns of the, the Edomites or the Kenites, as they are also called? Yes. When, because the migration patterns, if you start to look at the migration patterns of these, now, unfortunately, because of the way in which the Edomites have attempted and to a very large degree successfully um, hijacked the the identity of Jacob. Right. And we spoke about it last time where I explained about the way in which the name of um of Jacob was changed to Yasharel mm-hmm. and not to Israel. Okay. Remember, we spoke about it. And then yeah. also the, the name of Jehuda, which became Jew. So it, the, the um, Edomites have, uh, they, they have embarked, or they em- already at a very early stage embarked on, on a number of different agendas to regain what they believe they could regain their first um, birthright. Right. And so it wasn't just a matter of um, when, when Esau could not kill Jacob to regain his first birthright, he started, or his descendants started uh, assimilating Jacob, um, and they hijacked his name, they hijacked the name of Jehuda towards becoming Jews or Jew, Mm-hmm. And then also Yasharel becoming Israel, which has a total different meaning. But it is also pro- prophetic meaning, Pastor. And the events that are currently taking place across the globe, you will see that it is a, a in, in executed by the Edomites in a gigantic scale. For example, their modification of the climate, using the climate and using the weather Chemtrails. as a weapon. Yep. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So they they modifying the whole climate on the whole planet. And blaming it on us. They are God. <laughs> right. And blaming us. Right. Stop but, but driving cars. If, but, but as if they are God. In, That's in right. In other words... They they are proving that they are in fact Israel because they have strived against God mm-hmm. and man and have overcome, prevailed, as yeah. if that was the necessary thing for them to prove that they are God. I mean, yeah. George Soros talks about himself as God. He actually says it in public. He yeah. is God. So do the rabbis. A, yes. Mm-hmm. So do the rabbis. But also, so does Bill Gates in his... Ha! Um, right. He is this, God. Didn't you know that? He, he, he wants to determine life or death for everybody. 
Exactly. And, and that is a, such a very important aspect about the Edomites because they have granted this privilege upon themselves to be able to execute more than six and a half or even more than seven billion people over the next number of years. Yes. Because of their eugenics agenda, eugenics. Yep. That's right. And so, so they have placed themselves in a position where they call themselves God and they are even executing lives right. on a massive playing. scale as if they are God. Playing God. That's what they're doing. They're playing, playing God. God. Right, right. Okay, so, but uh, getting back to, you know, this uh, discussion of the Hebrew uh, originals, okay, so we found yeah. in, in the Vatican, uh, the title of this article, it's, it's from NehemiahsWall.com. Hebrew Voices number 72, Hebrew Gospels from a Vatican Junk Box. In this episode of Hebrew Voices, Hebrew Gospels from a Vatican, uh, Nehemiah Gordon talks about how he discovered Hebrew manuscripts of Luke and John. These manuscripts have Ooh. never been shared with the public before this was aired and are particularly interesting when compared to the Greek text. And it says, you can download a full transcription and translation of the surviving portions of the Hebrew Gospels of Luke and John from the Vatican below. Elvira wrote, quote, I am so glad you are getting this out there to the world. I was able to read along with the download of the documents as you read them out loud. What a privilege. What an era to live in. Well, okay, so, I mean, the... the Archaeological discoveries, the linguistic discoveries, and, and in, in this case, a, a mere happenstance, he found a, a Hebrew mm. gospel underneath a Greek gospel and said, what's this? <laughs> right? What's this? Probably one of the yeah. documents that was carried to Rome by Vespasian. Yes, Is absolutely. It? Okay. Well, this, this, uh, this accurately uh, explains... And, and even uh, relates um, the that which was revealed to me, as I've already stated on a number of occasions. There were so many things that were revealed to me, including the fact that the scriptures, the the the, um, uh, uh, the scriptures or the writings of the Nazarene mm -hmm. were in Hebrew and Aramaic. Right. And this confirms it, Pastor. In fact, on so many occasions. I've actually stated that my source that divulged this information to me six years and six months ago had been so accurate because of the evidence that I had found about the things that were revealed to me is absolutely, absolutely correct and on yeah. target. There's an angel. <laughs> How could an angel be wrong, exactly. right? <laughs> Uh, yes, in any case, absolutely. Uh, yeah, I, I put the link in the chat room, and I'll upload this link uh, to uh, Eurofolk Radio when I put post this on the front page. And it uh, yeah. this includes a download, so you can actually uh, read the PDF uh, in, in mm. the full Hebrew and in the full English. Now, in addition to what you're saying, we know about the Dead Sea Scrolls and Qumran and the uh, you know the Judahite sect that uh, um, the the Essenes who uh, yeah. inhabited Qumran they preserved Paleo Hebrew versions of Hebrew documents, the Hebrew Bible. Yes, uh, but only one full book survives, and that's the Book of Isaiah, 
Now, mm. given this and these new Hebrew discoveries, we can now piece together a more accurate translation or accurate, you know, a more accurate Old Testament and New Testament, which have actually been lacking. And part of the reason for being here at Eurofolk Radio is to accurately translate the Old Testament and New Testament. And because we know that the Masoretic Jews, the rabbis, have terribly doctored the Old Testament, uh, excised verses, added words, added uh, vowel points, etc., etc., so that the yes. King James, which is based on the Masoretic, is not reliable. Now we yeah, can now we can now we can gauge the reliability by comparing to these translations. Over to you. Yes, Pastor. In fact, uh, if one, um, if if you can remember, I've already mentioned that I'm in the process of correcting the Afrikaans, the original Afrikaans scriptures that were translated in 1933 uh, and um, revised in 1955, uh, sorry, 1953. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm busy correcting that on the basis of the Hebrew scriptures. What I'm doing is I'm looking at those scriptures where uh, by if you read through the scriptures, you will find that there are some of the scriptures um, in, in Afrikaans and in English, if you compare it, if you compare the Afrikaans with the English, you will find that there is a lot of co correlation, not a perfect correlation in every sense or in every aspect and every text. But there is a lot of correlation across the, the general contents of the scriptures. Right. However, there are certain places where it seems as if there is a conspiracy to lie in exactly the same way. Right. And where, where I'm <laughs> Universalism. Knows, it's called universalism. universalism. Yeah. Yeah. And, and an example of that is um, uh, Isaiah 56, verse 6, and where the first word in the Hebrew text is totally ignored by most English translations. And where it is taken into consideration, it is mistranslated to convey exactly the same uh, deception as that. Um, those translations where the whole word, the whole first word, is totally ignored. So it, it very clearly indicates some form of a uh, a, a, a conspiracy, a, right. a universalistic conspiracy to yeah, deceive. A pattern of translation, and it's exactly it's endemic. It you know like you're translating the word Yahweh into L O R D, which is something that yes. never should have happened. Never. Okay. Exactly. And, and, and then go ahead. And and then also for example where, um, oh Gentiles. Uh, <laughs> if, if, yeah. If if you look at the. If you look at the correlation of the texts, the text, the verses, the verse numbers across the various translations, you will find that there is a uh, in, in uh, quite a number of cases where the the sequence of the text seems to be upset. Okay. And certain certain texts is in con or incorporated in other texts and the. The, the text under scrutiny becomes diluted or um, mistranslated. 
mm-hmm. as if it is intentionally done so. And and this occurs too many times for it to be just um, a, 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 a normal occurrence. It, it is seems as if it has been diligently altered for the purpose of uh, deception. But there's mm-hmm. something else to this, Pastor. I attempted to download the very oldest English translation of the scriptures. And that particular translation appeared in the 13s, 1300s. And it is stated in on record that that particular translation is written in antique English. Now, I think it is the Brenton Bible, B-R-E-N-T-O-N. And it is written in antique English. Mm-hmm. So I attempted, I searched the internet, I searched archives for the Brenton Bible, and all that I could find is the Brenton Bible that is retranslated into modern English. Okay. That's not what I want. I want the original in the whatever antique English was used. I downloaded an antique English dictionary to assist me in the retranslation of the Brenton Bible into modern English or modern into modern Afrikaans. Right. But I cannot get the Brenton Bible out of the 1300s. Okay. I mean, if you look at the <laughs> if you look at the King James version and the 1611 version of King James, there's some degree of antique English sure. in it. Yes. But it seems as if it is not an uh, uh, an antique English at all. At all. It is inti- antiquated. Right. In other words, archaic. Some yes. of the lit, mm-hmm. as if it has been artificially antiquated. Right. Because okay. some of the letters that <laughs> should have a, a U, the letter U, is written with the letter V. And some of the words with the letter V is written with the letter U. As if it was diligently changed for the sake of making it look antique. Okay. If right. you understand uh, what I'm uh, saying. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. But if if you look at the context of the 1611 version and the contents or the context within the uh, 1672 version of the King James Bible, there's very little difference in the um, in the language. Mm-hmm. Bar that those um, the the misalignment of the U's and the V's, and then also the introduction of the letter J, because right. that was the only significant thing that differs between the 1611 translation and the 1673 version or the 1672 version of the King James Bible. But right. the emphasis which is placed uh, globally. On the so-called accuracy, it is, it's, it's like um, the same way in which Fauci and Bill Gates have propagated the vaccine. Right. It, is, it seems to be overly yeah. emphasized in terms of its accuracy and the most modern, and right. it is such an accurate right. representation of the original that it raises eyebrows. In fact, it has raised my eyebrows. I don't know about other people, but... There are so many things that I smell a rat about in oh, terms you, of the oh, you mean like the, of those scriptures. You mean like the cartoon of the coronavirus, <laughs> right? That, 
that, that thing yes. with all the dots. You know, that's there is no such thing. It's totally fictitious. It's a it's an animation. Totally yeah, but people yeah. look at that and they think, oh, that that's what the coronavirus looks like, right? Doesn't look like anything like that. Okay, but in any case, yeah, the, the uh, yeah, there's a a similarity in that the virus theory was uh, promoted first in the 1930s with the discovery of the electron microscope, okay? Yeah. Which the Rockefellers uh, very jealously guarded so that no one else could get at it. And that's when virus theory was invented. I don't I don't believe that viruses cause disease. I believe that viruses are actually the result of disease. The excretions of healthy cells getting junk DNA and junk RNA and other toxins yeah. out of their cells. But the Rockefellers didn't want people to know that. <laughs> they wanted to promote this viruses cause disease theory, which, of course, is being promoted exactly today. It's antiquated, folks. It's antiquated. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. But let me just... And of course, uh, go the, ahead. the, the yeah. main killer in the, in the 18, 1918 uh, Spanish flu, the main killer was the mosques. Right. And it's quite significant yeah. that they should enforce the oh. masks more than anything else. Somebody right. told me, well, somebody mentioned just in the past day or two, that the wearing of the mask is also part of the Freemasonry ritual in terms of uh, somebody getting in, initiated into Freemasonry right. has yeah. to wear a mask. I'm not sure about that. I have yeah, never, no, that's, that is uh, correct. That is correct. He has to wear a mask. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but it's also, I related uh, m- uh, many weeks ago to the, the fact that uh, whores, prostitutes in, in ancient times had to wear veils and cover their nose and mouth, leaving only the eyes yeah. exposed, okay? Well, that, that means... Very similar to, yeah, that means... Very similar to the Islamites. Right, exactly. That, they, they, but, you're their the slave. That means that you're their slave. You're their prostitute. Yeah. You're their whore. That's what that means, okay? So, yeah, there's all of these occult connections to these modern rituals, which are passed off as science. Yeah, yeah. Incredible, isn't it? Okay. Well, let me just uh, finish off this thought here from uh, Mr. uh, Jeremiah uh, Gordon. Okay. Mm. Uh, I'm excited to finally be able to share with you an English translation of the Hebrew manuscript of the Gospels that I discovered in the early 2000s. So he discovered these in the early 2000s, but didn't realize what he had. All those years ago, I was at the National Library of Israel looking through a microfilm of miscellaneous manuscripts photographed at the Vatican Library when I came across three pages of the Gospel of Luke and one page Mm. of the Gospel of John in Hebrew. Okay? So this was, these were just loose pages that were, happened to be microfilmed. And said, what's this? The microfilm was part of what I call a junk box containing several hundred loose pages from numerous manuscripts written by different scribes of different periods. At the time, the catalog of the National Library of Israel did not list the full contents of the Vatican junk box and made no reference to these Hebrew Gospels. So it was a completely accidental discovery. The Vatican Library recently published color photographs of these documents on its website, opening the door for me to share this with the world. Thank you very much. Okay? Yeah. All right? So there are original Hebrew versions of the Gospels, and they're coming to light. Thank you. Yes, and they're coming to the the light as originals. Yes. 
as originals. Now we can use these to compare with other translations and find out how accurate they are. But in my opinion, the, the Greek translation or the Greek pr presentation of the Gospels is pretty pretty damn accurate, <laughs> okay? Because I've compared the historical statements made in the Gospel of Luke, for example, and every statement he makes in that Gospel is 100% historically accurate, okay? With possible... But remember, yeah, but remember it only represented loose pages. It was not the whole Gospel right. of Luke. Right. And, right, and it's very important to note that, and I've mentioned this on quite a number of occasions before, is that on the one hand, with the formation of this Catholicism um, in, in the, the year 325 AD, one of the objectives was to retain the authenticity of this, the scriptures as close as possible, mm -hmm. yet to infiltrate or to, to use the uh, dogma that they created uh, and slide that in as unnoticeable as possible. So, um, and that is why th there are so many deviations in, in for example, Calvinistic uh, Christianity, where um, uh, they, they very closely follow scriptures. They even pastor in, in the Dutch Reformed churches in South Africa on, on Sunday mornings. Every Sunday morning, they diligently read from the Lord, from the Torah. Mm -hmm. However... When they preach, they say the, the laws have been abolished because it was all <laughs> crucified along with Christ. Right, right. And because they uh, read uh, the, everything is pre predetermined anyway, we have no free will, and you know, so why bother? <laughs> right? But, but can, you see, can, you, can you see the hypocrisy in this? Oh, of course. Everybody stands and they read the law. And then they ignore However, it, just like the Jews do. That's exactly what and the Jews they, do. Exactly, but can you see what's called Judeo Christianity? <laughs> that's right, that's right. Okay, <laughs> very good. All right, we've run out of time. Uh, good presentation today. Uh, major discoveries being made about the Hebrew uh, Gospels. And uh, we may do more shows on this in the future, but we want to get it right. And that's why you know we cover subjects like this. All right, thank you, Pastor Martins. Okay. Thank you, Pastor, and uh, also the base for the AT&T building. Yes, amen. We'll see what comes of that. All right. Thanks for listening, folks. Praise, Praise Yahweh. Yahweh. Praise Yahweh. Bye-bye. Bye-bye, Pastor. Bye-bye.